Welcome to the Life on Word podcast. I'm the host, Bailey Brown. Through this podcast, I hope you fall more in love with God's Word as it is properly understood. If you want to dig deeper into Scripture and see the big picture of God's story, you are in the right place. In these episodes, I want you to see how deep and wide Scripture is and what a joy it is to study God's Word. Life on Word exists to encourage you to build all of your life on the Word of God because it is the only worthy foundation. For more resources relating to studying the Bible, theology, and discipleship, check out baileylbrown.com. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Life on Word. Today, we're continuing making our way through Matthew chapter 26. In the last episode, we read of Jesus' last meal with the disciples as they celebrated the Passover, and then Jesus initiated the Lord's Supper. In this episode, we'll be reading the account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying to the Father about the events that are just about to happen, and then we will read of His arrest. I'm going to read starting in verse 31 and go through verse 56. With that, let's get started. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. 
Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. So we stopped in the last episode just after Jesus and the disciples sang one last hymn and then headed out to the Mount of Olives. They had just eaten the Passover meal in Jerusalem in someone's home and were likely headed back towards Bethany where they stayed each night. On this two-mile walk from Jerusalem to Bethany, Jesus said to the disciples, You will all fall away because of me this night. He goes on to quote Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7 saying, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. For some background on this passage, there are a few passages in Zechariah that point to a shepherd figure watching out for his herd. And as usual, this was an image for the Israelites being cared for by God. But in this passage, in the first part of chapter 13 verse 7, we find that it is God who strikes the shepherd, even though the shepherd stands next to him, meaning he is equal with God or a companion of God. In Zechariah's time, the scattering of the flock of sheep referred to the scattering of the Jews. But now, Jesus applies this verse to himself. He alludes to himself being the shepherd that is stricken by Yahweh, and as a result, Jesus' disciples will be scattered on that night. Jesus also tells the disciples that after he is raised up, he will go before them to Galilee. Given that up until this point, the disciples have grappled to understand what Jesus means anytime he talks about his death, it is no surprise that this doesn't make sense to them. Peter responds to Jesus saying, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus tells Peter that before the rooster crows the next morning, Peter will have denied him three times. At this point, Jesus and the disciples arrive in Gethsemane, which was likely a garden where olive trees were grown and olive oil was prepared. According to John's gospel, Jesus and the disciples often went there. Jesus told all the disciples except Peter, James, and John to wait and sit, likely in a cave close by, while he went off to pray. Matthew records that he took Peter, James, and John with him and told them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. You can tell by Matthew's language how much he is dreading his soon approaching death and is in great sorrow. We see here another dimension of the human nature of Jesus. He relied on his friendship with Peter, James, and John in this moment, not wanting to be alone when he is feeling such great need. Over the last three years, it was always the disciples who had the problems, and Jesus came to them with solutions, such as calming the storm and miraculously providing food for them. 
But here, Jesus seeks the comfort of his friends and disciples as he knows that he is about to drink the cup of God's wrath. Matthew records that Jesus goes on a little further on his own and begins praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Thinking back to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, the devil tempted him to skip over the agony of his death and be exalted immediately if he would only fall down and worship the devil. Here, we see Jesus fighting another spiritual battle as he knows what is ahead. He will experience in his human nature the suffering that comes from being separated from and forsaken by the Father. He is steadfast in submitting to the Father's will, but he is fighting the temptation to look for any other way that God's plan could be carried out. Jesus then went back to the three disciples who were supposed to be supporting him in prayer, but instead were found asleep. He urges them to stay awake and pray and not give in to temptation while he goes away to pray a second time. This happens two more times where he comes back from praying to find them asleep. It seems in these two times of prayer, Jesus recognizes that there is no other way for God's plan for salvation to be carried out other than through his death. When Jesus comes back from praying the third time, he wakes the disciples up again and tells them it is time to get going because his betrayer has arrived. Matthew records that while Jesus was still speaking to the disciples, Judas and a crowd of men with swords and clubs arrived. Those with swords would have been Roman soldiers that Pilate had assigned to temple security, while the personal bodyguards of the chief priests and Sanhedrin carried clubs. Judas came up to Jesus, saying, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him on the cheek, which was the arranged sign to show that he was who should be arrested. Jesus replies to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Interestingly, the word for friend here is not the typical Greek word for friend used throughout the New Testament. Instead, this word only occurs two other times in Matthew, and both of those were in the context of someone who had betrayed a relationship. One was in the parable of the wedding feast, where the man shows up dressed inappropriately, and the other in the parable of the vineyard workers, where they were complaining to the master about not getting paid enough. As the men accompanying Judas laid hands on Jesus to arrest him, Peter takes out his sword and strikes the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. Jesus tells him to put the sword away, asking Peter a rhetorical question about Jesus' ability to call down twelve legions of angels to stand by his side. A Roman legion consisted of 6,000 men, meaning Jesus could have called down over 70,000 angels. He is telling Peter that if he wanted help, he could get it, but he must submit to how these events are being played out. It may look like things are out of control, but this is the moment that Jesus has been warning his disciples of. Jesus then turns to those arresting him and points out that throughout the week he had sat in the temple and could have easily been arrested. But because of his popularity with the crowds, the religious leaders had cowardly arranged for him to be arrested in secret in the night. He continues by saying that all of this is taking place in fulfillment of what the Old Testament prophets had spoken of. He is likely referring to Isaiah and Zechariah as they predicted the evil of those who would crucify the Messiah. 
It is in these books that we come to see a shepherd figure meant to suffer, meant to die for sinners, but that would be vindicated by his suffering. Jesus knows full well that he is that shepherd Messiah. The section then concludes with Matthew recording that the disciples all left him and ran away. Okay, we've made it to another stopping point in chapter 26, so now let's talk about how we can apply this passage today. We covered a passage that reveals so clearly the humanity of Jesus as he experienced a wave of emotions leading up to his arrest. We saw him head to Gethsemane to pray not only with the anxiety and dread of what was about to happen, but also the sorrow that comes from the betrayal of a close friend. We saw him cry out to the Father, asking if there was any other way for the plan of salvation to be executed other than through the suffering he was about to endure. Finally, we saw his disappointment when he wanted his friends close by, keeping watch with him, but every time they fell asleep. I said in a recent episode that for those of us who have been familiar with the gospel for a long time, it can be easy to no longer think about the novelty of Jesus dying for our sins. We hear these words so many times that we stop thinking about how truly significant it was for Jesus to carry the weight of the brokenness of the world on his shoulders. We can also easily lose sight of the humanity of Jesus. Out of reverence, we tend to focus more on his divine nature as the eternal, all-powerful Son of God, while not highlighting as much that he was a human just like you and me, experiencing what it means to live in a broken world just as we do, albeit he did this sinlessly, unlike us. But in a passage like today's, the humanity of Jesus comes back to the forefront of our mind. He himself did not leave this world without experiencing the sadness, the grief, and anxieties that so often mark our everyday lives. And more than that, he came to fix all this. Through his death, we know that one day the troubles will end, the anxiety will go away, the sickness and disease will all be gone, the evils that humans commit against one another will be no more. So today, as we live, we have this hope that this day is coming. But we are not only left with hope about a day long from now, we are also promised the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit as we navigate this broken world. As we navigate heartbreak, sickness, grief, anxiety, sin, and more, we can cling to the promise that He is here with us, He knows what we are going through, and He is in control even when it doesn't seem like it. Today we continued making our way through Matthew chapter 26. We read of Jesus being in anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed to the Father, and then of his arrest right there in the Garden. In the next episode, we will read of Jesus going on trial before the Jewish religious leaders and of Peter denying Jesus. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. Look at the episode description to see the source materials I studied for this episode. Until next time.